Hey, First uh, Chronicles chapter number 29. First Chronicles chapter number 29. Again, we're in a common sense series. Uh, just for some housekeeping, next week we are going to be taking our legacy offering. If you're newer to our church, uh, there is no demand, no need. We are we don't believe in uh, pressured giving. We believe in predetermined giving, and God loves a cheerful giver. So, just so you know, at our church, we are going to talk about money today. That being stated, uh, we do not pass a plate. We haven't passed a plate for decades. We're not going to pressure you in any single way. We want to make sure you're coming into church, and uh, we're not. We don't believe that our church. We don't use money. We don't use people to get money. We use money to get people. That's our belief system here. And so I want to uh, stand true to that. First Chronicles chapter number twenty-nine, verse ten through thirteen. This is what the Bible says. Matter of fact, stand for the reading of God's word one more time. We believe in honoring the word. This is holy. This is sacred. And so we're not going to rush this. But this is what the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10 through 13. Therefore, David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And he said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, and you are exalted as the head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now, God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Can everybody say amen to the reading of God's word? I want to teach from this subject and speak from this topic today. It's pulled from a song uh, made popular in culture uh, a few years back, you might remember it and know it. Na 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 na, wait till I get my money right. That's what I want to teach on today: is wait till I get my money right. Wait till I get my money right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this house, in this room, in these moments together. I thank you that as we uh, speak your word, it will not return void in Jesus' name. Now, Father, would you open our eyes? Would you change our minds? Would you move our hearts? Help me to speak with power and precision, separating bone and marrow, soul and spirit. I believe your word will change their trajectory and their destiny and even their legacy today, Father. And so I pray that we would embrace these principles, and we believe that the best days are ahead for every single person in this room. In Jesus' name, and come on, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen and amen and amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. <clears throat> Family, as we, uh, as we ease into this message today, I want you to know, especially for those that are in our Ashland location, we are broadcasting to three different campuses in online TC in Framingham. But this, this church was not just established and born yesterday. We've actually been here for some decades. And for those that are in this Ashland location, as I speak, I want you to know something that you may not know. And I want to inform some and remind others that you are literally sitting in the middle of a miracle. Amen. You're sitting in the middle of a miracle. Amen. Our church was founded by my grandfather. His name is Pastor Ernie Fry. And Pastor Ernie Fry just went home to be with the Lord uh, a week and a half ago. We just had his, what many would call a funeral service on Sunday. But we don't call it a funeral service because we're believers and believers don't grieve like those without hope. So this was not a funeral service. Actually, this was a celebration of life. And so we got to highlight and hear memories and moments and impact that my grandfather made. But the way we inherited and actually got this building was an incredible, incredible story. 
Matter of fact, we were a small little church, you know, 100 people in this room, and we were renting this space from a corporation. And so we were using this auditorium to build our church and to grow our church. And uh, there was this one particular day where my grandfather was walking on the train tracks with a friend of his named Dennis. Now, this building was estimated to be about, at the time, about $1.6 million, and that was money that we were not able to pay. So we could not own it. We just rented it. And my, and my grandfather was walking on the train tracks that are just right out here to the left side. My grandfather was walking there. He's talking to his friend Dennis. And the Lord spoke to my grandfather and said, Ernie, I'm going to give you that building. He said, I'm going to give you that building. And so what my grandfather did was something bold and courageous is he didn't just keep it to himself. He actually shared it with a couple key stakeholders and key staffers. And so people knew that this is something that God promised our church. Now, lo and behold, fast forward a couple months later is what we did not know was actually this corporation that owned this building was a corporation that was actually going down. It was going under. They were doing bad financially and so much so that the bank actually took this building from that corporation and ended up taking this building and throwing it into a public auction. Now, I say public auction. We were informed as at the time it was called Lateran Christian Fellowship. How many remember those days? Anybody in here? OG, come on. We got a few people from then. Um, we were informed that this would be a public auction, but we were invited to participate and maybe inquire if we could purchase this building. Now, again, we were a small little church. We did not have the kind of funds that this church required. And so this public auction was made public. Well, lo and behold, my grandfather scrounged some money together, and he said, the Lord told me that this is our building. So he approached that auction, and to his surprise, he was the only one that attended that auction. He walked into this auction, and again, hold on, hold on, it's not done yet. He walked into this auction, and to his surprise, but to God's glory, a building that was worth $1.6 million was purchased for our ministry for $100,000. You are sitting in the middle of a miracle. You're sitting in the middle of a miracle. Now, this is not a story about how good a man is. This is a story about how good our God is. And let me just tell you something. This is how my grandfather was. This is, this is Ernie Fry in a nutshell right here. He always used to say, even, even as he got old in age, he goes, listen, God still owes me $100,000. He goes, God told me he's going to give me this building. But I don't know about you, and I'm not very good at math, but $1.6 million estimated and bought for $100,000. How many know there's a divine discount in the middle of that? I say this story because I want to highlight to all of you today, and I pray you get this in your spirit. If God could do this for my family, God could do this for your family. If God did this before, let me just tell you something, God could do it again. If God gave us a building in the past, he could give us buildings in the future. Can I get a witness from somebody that is a person of faith? God has an eternal supply. He is abundant in riches. Wealth, honor, riches, as David says, belong to the Lord. Everything in the heavens and everything in the earth belong to him. And God has an abundance of resources. So hear me, everybody. He has an abundance of resources. But I need to make a statement, and I have to attach a question to this statement, and it is this, is that God is so in love with you. God's in love with you. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if this is your first time in our church or your thousandth time in this church. God loves you. He's madly in love with you. And God is so generous. He is so sovereign. He has been so good. I wonder if there's anybody in here that would say, God has been good to me. I know your life is not perfect, but thank God it's not where it should be. God has been good to so many of us. 
And David is identifying this in the scripture that he highlighted. He's basically talking about God's greatness, that he is sovereign, he is mighty, he is strong, he is omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he knows all things, he is everywhere, and he can do what he wants to do. He's talking about God's greatness, but he's also talking about God's goodness, and David was a blessed man. Are there any blessed people in the room today? David was a blessed man. Now, I need you to understand something. If God never did another thing for you, he's already done enough. This is our theology. This is our belief system, is that if God didn't do another thing, the fact that he saved my soul, died from my sin, brought me from death to life, and raised me into newness of life, if he didn't do another thing, God has done enough. But God is rich in mercy. What is mercy? It is not getting what you do deserve. He's also rich in grace. It is getting, it is getting what you do not deserve. But listen to me. God gives grace. He gives mercy. But he doesn't always give favor. He doesn't always give favor. I share the story about my grandfather with you is because I believe firmly that if God has done it in the past, we know about his character. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God has all this supply. God has all these resources. He wants to give divine discounts, but God loves you. Here's the question. Does God trust you? He loves you, but does he trust you? We know from looking at scripture, I know from personal experience as a Christian, I know from professional experience as a pastor, I know this, is that God has all the resources necessary to provide for your dream, to give you a life that you love. He has all these things. Does anybody believe that? So he doesn't lack resources. Listen to me. What he lacks is trustworthy candidates. Is God loves you, but does he trust you? Does he trust you? I want that question to resonate in your spirit and in your soul today because we have to do some reflection. If we believe what God says is true, that he is rich in mercy, he is ruler of heaven and of earth, are you a trustworthy candidate for God to give you resources? Because listen to me, everybody. Write this down in your notes if you're a note taker. Is God doesn't just give you resources to give to you but through you. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. He who refreshes others is he himself refreshed. And it leads me to a conversation and discussion that we need to have. I want to have four conversations today. First would be this, is we need to talk about prosperity and God. Because <laughs> so many people think, and we have gotten this ideology from culture and a theology from church. The ideology from culture is this, is that the acquisition of money, the acquisition of fame and all these resources is what life is all about. And how many know that could not be further from the truth? How many more celebrities do we have to see that have the whole world yet have lost their soul? We don't need to look far beyond just to see that this life is not just about accumulating possessions, accumulating resources. This life, there is more to this life than just this life. Equally as dangerous as the prosperity gospel that many people preach and teach is this poverty gospel. Let me just tell you something, and I need you to get this in your mind and in your spirit, is poverty is not the will of God for your life. I don't think you just heard what I said. I need 18 people right now to say poverty is not the will of God for my life. You are not meant to be broke. You are meant to be blessed in Jesus' name. Poverty is not the will of God for your life. And I am sick and tired of this being glorified in some churches. And I'm sick and tired of, 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 of prosperity from being sanctified. 
We have to understand something very clearly is that God wants to bless you. But according to scripture in my study for this message, what I've seen so many different times is this, a common pattern, is that prosperity doesn't change you. Prosperity exposes you. (laughs) I'm teaching real good right now. Prosperity doesn't change you. It exposes you. It exposes what's already on the inside. And so if you were generous without money, you'll be generous with money. If you, were, if you trusted in God before money, you'll trust God after money because money is simply a mirror. It reveals who you are. You want to get to know who somebody is? Look at how they are when they're broke and look at how they are when they're blessed. They're the same person. So we have to come to an understanding today that God wants to bless you, but there are warnings that Scripture has to say about blessing. As I see four common things that happen is when you're blessed with prosperity, what can happen is you become self-sufficient. Is you think that you did this by yourself. <laughs> that could not be further from the truth. Listen, God gave you breath in your lungs. He gave you gifts, skills, and talents. He orchestrated divinely putting this person in this place. And how many know we are not self-made? We are God-dependent. That's where believers need to get and need to rely on is not a self-sufficiency but a God-dependency. But prosperity can make you self-sufficient. Prosperity could also make you selfish where you are just acquiring possessions over your life and eventually your life becomes something that you worship because you worship wealth and you don't worship the God who gives wealth. Self-sufficiency but also selfishness. But here's something that you see so often, especially in the Old Testament through the Israelite people, is this is that you see that when Israel, got, when Israel prospered, they not only forgot God, they denied God. This is the warnings and the dangers of prosperity. But I need you to understand something today, is that God wants to bless you, but he will not bless you if the blessings that he gives you will replace him. <laughs> I, I'm going to just preach to myself right now, okay? God will not, he will not bless you if his blessings will replace him. Listen to me, God is not anti-prosperity. Write this down in your notes. God is not anti-prosperity. He is anti-exploitation and he's anti-idolatry. And so when some people get money, they can exploit people. That's, that, that's dirty money. God doesn't do that way. But God is also anti-idolatry and he won't give you blessings. He won't give you prosperity. He won't give you finances if it will replace him. Y'all are at like a level three right now. I need you guys to get to like a level 10, all right? He is not anti-prosperity. He is anti-idolatry and anti-exploitation. So I said it before, but let me just codify it for a second. We don't believe in a prosperity gospel where wealth and health is your portion. We know that scripture says that in life you will have trouble. In life there will be sickness. In life there will be suffering. But how many know that is not your portion and that's not going to be my lifestyle? So we don't just believe in a prosperity gospel where the idolatry of resources takes place. We certainly don't believe in a poverty gospel where, where you idolize lack. That is not our gospel. We believe in a prosperous gospel where you can have life and life abundantly. This is what Jesus teaches, and this is what believers need to possess. And so many people do not. And I think it is mind-blowing to me. Now, I'm going to say something to you that, honestly, when I studied it, I'm a, pre- I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a preacher. I'm a student of the Bible. I love the Bible. Anybody else love the Bible? I believe for young people, if you carry the Bible when you're young, it will carry you when you're old. You need to know what the Word says about you. 
But I studied something that I did not know, and I just connected a couple dots, and it changed the game for me. And it is this, is that many people think that if you follow Jesus, this is a church uh, this is a church theology that has happened over years and years of time. If you follow Jesus, well, well, money and mammon is wrong. No, the love of money is wrong. God wants you blessed. God wants you wealthy. That being stated, we talked about the warnings of prosperity. That being stated, people make a theology because of this statement in this scripture. Is that Jesus says about himself, and he speaks to his disciples. He goes, foxes have holes, birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Have you ever heard the scripture before? So Jesus states this, and people have made a theology because they have a bad hermeneutic, and they do not understand context, and they do not understand the interpretation. Jesus is not a broke man. He's not broke. Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, I am prioritizing my calling over my comfort. And while you're ministering with me, we might not have houses that we can sleep in, but we are going to prioritize the gospel, not our comfort. That's the interpretation correctly of that scripture. But you need to understand something, and this could blow some of your minds. Jesus was not poor. Jesus was loaded. Do you know something? Jesus had a treasurer. He had a treasurer. What was his name? His name was Judas. Now, we know Judas ended up stealing money from Jesus. And what happened? Judas ended up hanging himself because greed will only let you to hang yourself. That's besides the point. Greed is, greed is a dangerous, dangerous thing. You have to be so, so careful. We have to understand the difference between somebody who is greedy and somebody who is hungry. Greed is saying, I want more than what God has for me. Hunger is saying, I want all that God has for me. Is there anybody in the room that says, I'm not greedy, I'm hungry, and I want all that God has for me. I don't have to be winning in one area. I'm not just going to be winning in family and I'm losing in business. No, I believe you can have this and you can have that. I believe that with my whole heart. That is a prosperous gospel, and that is the gospel that we believe in and that we stand on in this church. But Jesus was not a poor man, so much so you've heard this story and you know this scripture, but we need to tie the two pieces together. Is at Jesus' birth, what happened? Jesus' birth, he was born in a manger, right? Jesus was actually born into a, not, I wouldn't say a wealthy family, but a well-off family. Joseph, the Bible says, Joseph wasn't just a carpenter. He was the carpenter. Meaning that Joseph was a carpenter and he taught other people the trades and the skills of carpentry. And how many know there wasn't buildings? There wasn't these huge businesses that were developing massive cities? No, carpenters were of high value and high priority and it was a high paying job. And Joseph taught people how to be carpenters. Not only that, but the Bible says that he went to an inn, and the inn was busy, and the inn was full, so he went to a manger. Jesus wasn't born in a manger because he was a broke man. His family was broke. He was in a manger because everything else was full. He walked into this manger. Joseph and Mary did. They had the baby Jesus, but what happened? Wise men came to baby Jesus, and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if you were raised in the church like me, you remember all the cute little plays and all the little kids right here, and they would have these little bags, and here's little Jesus' bag of gold, and here's little Jesus' little frankincense, and here's little Jesus' little myrrh. But in Jewish custom, what you need to understand is wise men would come to a place like that, and they would recognize a king, they would recognize royalty, and they didn't give little bags of gold and bags of frankincense and bags of myrrh. What they would bring is caravans of it. So what God did, oh, I hope you get this today, because I don't think first service got this. What I pray, I don't think they did. I really don't think they did. You guys are way smarter than them. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're the same church. Praise God. What, what happened is God funded Jesus' life and ministry as he was born. How many know God could do this in one moment for you? If he did it for Jesus, he could do it for you. Why? Because Jesus was a trustworthy candidate. God at birth, Jesus at birth had his life and his ministry funded from day one. How many want that kind of anointing? No, no, no. I said how many want that kind of anointing? God was funded. God funded Jesus' ministry before he even started it. And this is what we have to understand is that God wants to bless you. But here's the second conversation we need to have is this, is we need to get the proper perspective on money. Because write this down in your notes. Money is a resource, but God is your source. I'm going to say it again. Money is a resource, but God is your source. And many people get this mixed up. And we, and we get messed up. I was just talking to a few people before service, uh, after second service. After first service, forgive me. And, uh, and these people were having discussions about, because of the message. And they were like, you know what I realized is as I became, listen, for those that are not tithers, here's, here's something from my heart for a second. You know what I realized as I started tithing? I just got better sleep. Yeah. They were like, I just realized that now I'm not the owner anymore. I'm actually a steward. Throw the definition of steward up there, guys. I'm not the owner. I'm actually a steward. And because I'm a steward, I can sleep better because if somebody messes up my finances, if there's an issue that takes place, well, God has to take care of it because it's his money, not my money. And so many of us, you guys can see the steward, but pay attention to me for a second. I'll I'll go through the definition. So many of us, listen to me. You are the owner and God is the renter. And you wonder why your life is stressed. I feel a spirit of Ernie Fry on me right now. So many of us, we are the owner and God is the renter. Or here's a better way to say it, is you are the landlord and God is the tenant. And the day you flip that position is the day you find peace. It's the day you find rest. It's the day you get blessed in Jesus' name. Listen to me. The Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. And if you want his peace, you need to make him your prince. Meaning he is the Lord and the Savior of your life. He is not just somebody that saved your soul, but he's also somebody that is the leader of your life and gives you the direction in which you should go. I know there's some people that are resistant, but I'm telling you, this is the key to blessing. God wants you blessed, but we need to understand the proper perspective of money is that God is the owner and you are the renter. I, I, uh, I know the scripture states this, is that you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. Something you need to understand about God. First of all, Jesus was not poor. Secondly, uh, a few things about God. God is not somebody that can think. God can't think. He's omniscient. God is not the God up in the sky that's just like, I just had an idea. No, he doesn't think that way. Why? Because he knows all things. God cannot think. God cannot change. He is immutable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But something you need to understand about God is God cannot be second. This is God's preeminence. He is immutable. He is omniscient. He is preeminent. God does not take second place to anybody. He is the Lord of all, or he is the Lord. He is the Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. He's not Lord at all. And so God will not allow somebody to serve God and to serve himself, to serve, to serve money, forgive me. Because we have, in our culture, we serve and follow mammon, is what scripture talks about, money far more than we follow Jesus. And no wonder so many people are so stressed, are so anxious, is because you are the owner 
and God is not. Matter of fact, I wrote a few thoughts in my journal. I want to I wanna read some of these to you just to put this into perspective. This is what I wrote down is this, is that money buys a bed, but God supplies rest. Money buys books, God supplies wisdom. Money buys groceries, but God supplies hunger. Money buys a house, but God supplies shelter. Money buys prescriptions, but God supplies peace. Money buys surgeries, but God supplies healing. Money buys entertainment, God supplies fulfillment. Money buys a college degree, but God supplies authority. Oh, here's a good one for my, for my upbringing, my Christians that were uh, raised in the church. Money buys you a Delilah, but God supplies a Ruth. <laughs> Money buys a fight to Hawaii, but God supplies a bridge to heaven. Money buys a good life. God supplies eternal life. Money is a resource, but God is your source. We must understand this. I wish I had 18 people that would just clap and shout amen and give God a quick praise break. Because money is not my source. Money is a a great tool, but it is a terrible God. And many people serve money, and they do not serve the Lord. And I'm just telling you, we've got to flip this script because the Bible says that Jesus, that the Lord, is he's the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. That everything on the, in heaven and under the earth belongs to him. This is our God. Everything in the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. So we've got to get our perspective proper. Amen, everybody? Am I making sense? I want to talk about the purpose of money. Let's shift directions for a moment. Matter of fact, I have a story, actually. Um, the perspective of money. Uh, my wife and I were having trouble sleeping in our house for a couple weeks. And what I later found out and realized was the fan that's in our room. Anybody sleep with a fan? Yeah, I can't. I don't know how people just sleep in silence. It just makes no sense. All of a sudden, you're like, what was that? I heard something in my neighbor's house. I don't know how you do it. So I just remember uh, we were sleeping in the house, and uh, the fan was actually super dirty, and it was actually getting little dust particles all over the place. And anytime I was sleeping, I would come up with a big coughing fit, and I'd be so frustrated. And this was happening for weeks on end. My wife had this idea of, okay, we're going to clean the fan or remove the fan, and we ended up cleaning it up. We put it in there, and I ended up sleeping like a king that night. Why? Because we adjusted something. Listen to me, everybody. Because we adjusted something inside of our home, and all of a sudden we got peace again. What do you need to adjust in your home or in your heart so that you can find rest? There's something that needs to be adjusted as a belief system is that you are not the owner and that God is. And when you change that factor and you change that position, listen to me. When God becomes the owner and you are the renter, when God is the landlord and you are the tenant, you find rest for your soul. That's perspective. The third we need to talk about is what's the purpose of money? Why would God distribute resources, finances, and money to me? What is the purpose of that? Well, let me highlight a couple of scriptures for you. This is what the Bible says. Purpose of money, uh, I don't have this in your, on the screen. Uh, write this down in your notes. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says this. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Let me say that again. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So the purpose of resources is found in another scripture where Jesus says, uh, I have given you bread for food and seed to the sower. So seed to the sower and bread for food. Somebody say seed. seed. Somebody say bread. bread. God gives seed and he gives bread. Seed is for other people's needs and bread is for your needs. So God gives seed and you don't know how many seeds are in a seed. So God gives seed. He gives you resources so that you can build things, grow things, and develop things so that you don't just take care of your family. You can take care of other people's families. 
Did you hear what I just said? Is my microphone on? No, no, God, God gives you resources. He gives you abundance. He gives you money for seed. It's so that you can develop things, so that you can invest in things and eventually grow things so you can just not take care of your bloodline but many other bloodlines and you can break some generational curses. He gives seed, but he also gives bread. Especially for my tithers in the room, God gives bread for food, meaning that he takes care of your needs. Tithers sleep better. People that trust God with their finances can sleep and be at peace because they believe that the Lord is the supplier and the source of their needs. So he gives bread for food, but he also gives seed to the sower. I, I see in, in scripture, I see four things that, that money does for us. First of all, God gives resources. Write these four down. God gives resources for number one, provision. Provision. Somebody say provision. provision. He gives money for provision. This is our needs, but this is also our wants. I need to camp on this for a second. Our needs and our wants. This is college. This is education. This is insurance. This is groceries. This is a house. This is heat. Our needs, but also our wants. God supplies money for your enjoyment because life is not just meant to be endured, but to enjoyed. Did you hear what I said? Life is meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. And so some of you guys need to go on a flipping vacation. And some of you guys are the exact opposite, where life is not a vacation. God has a calling and a purpose for your life. And if you live your whole life living on vacation and not on, not on assignment, you will never have fulfillment. So God, God created the heavens and the earth. Six days he created it. And after every single day, he said, and it is good because God rested. He delighted in what he created. That's why vacations are good for you guys. Vacations are not greedy. They're godly. Come on. But living a life of a vacation, listen, you have purpose. So you don't just need to go to a paradise kind of place. You need to live in your purpose. And how many know purpose is way better than paradise? I'm preaching so good right now. This is not even my notes. Provision, number one. Two, protection. Because natural disasters, social issues, uh, uh, there are are breakthroughs that need to take place. But this is one of the reasons for finances is to take care of yourself for emergencies. Third would be for purpose is that God puts you on this planet for a reason to solve a problem. And so God gives resources and finances, seed to the sower, so that you can build things, you can invest in things, and you can be a blessing to the world. But fourth would be this, is a a unique word, philanthropy. God provides needs and God provides resources so that you can meet other people's needs. And so this is why I don't believe in uh, uh, a theology that just says, God doesn't supply my needs. No. But God doesn't just supply my needs. He's not the God of not enough or just enough. He's the God of more than enough. He supplies abundantly above anything you can ask, think, or imagine according to the powers that are at work within you. God is the God of more than enough. I need you to say that. God is the God of more than enough. He exceeds your needs. He exceeds all your needs. This is the God that we serve everybody. And so some of you guys, here's what I wrote down in my notes. Listen to this. Some of you guys need to stop praying for it and start paying for it. Some people are like, God, I'm praying for my sister. No, there's going to be a day where you watch. Natalia and I will have so much wealth and so much wisdom. I'm not saying because we're going to store it up for ourselves, but there will be a day where God blesses us so much financially that we have a college student that comes forward, has $40,000 in debt, and the Lord will work on our hearts and say, we're going to pay for that whole college student because they're a good resource. I want the church to get some vision like that. 
where God blesses us so, so much. How many want to be blessed like that? God blesses us so, so much where we can see other people's needs and we don't have to pray for those needs, but we can pay for those needs. That's the purpose of money right there. But all that to be said, we need to talk about the practices of money. The practices of money. Because if there's not one thing that you remember, I need you to remember this one thought. It is this. Is that God does not bless poor stewards. God does not bless poor stewards. God loves you. Does he trust you? God will not bless somebody and give them something that will replace him. We have to get the proper perspective of money that God is the owner and I am not. We have to understand that God will not bless a poor steward. And so many of us, God wants to bless you with resources. He has so many. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. He has all the resources, all the things that you need. God could give it to you in one second, and he could fund your whole life. He could fund your dream in one moment. But are you a trustworthy candidate to receive the resources that God could give you? Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Write this down in your notes. I need you to study this scripture. Write it down in your notes. Come on. The Bible says this. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage. But everyone who acts in haste comes surely to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage. But everyone who acts in haste surely comes to poverty. Listen to me, everybody. Here's a question that my dad posed to me this one time. He says this. He goes... Why would I trust God with my eternity and I wouldn't trust God with my money? You're going to trust God for the rest of your life and you're not going to trust him with your money? That's because we don't have the proper perspective of money. You think that you are the owner of your money. When the reality is, especially for my tithers in the room, the reality is so many of us know that we're not actually giving to God we're actually returning to God what he already gave us. Because this is not my money. I am a steward of God's money. So we practice healthy financial disciplines. Now, I could do a whole sermon on each one of these. But for the hungry, I'm going to give you a list. And then you can go research it yourself. There's so much scripture on all five of these. So what I need you to write down is this, these five. Okay, number one, tithing. Number one, tithing. I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. You need God in your finances. You need God in your finances. Here's what the Lord was speaking to me last week as Pastor Derek was teaching on the tithe. You need to go back, watch that message. He taught me this. The Lord said this as he was teaching. He goes, Dev, when tithing becomes the church's habit, blessing becomes the church's normal. I'm telling you, you are be blessed. What happens when you tithe? According to Malachi chapter 3, although it's an Old Testament scripture, it preceded the law, and so it, pre- it, it goes further than the law. You need to understand tithing is a biblical basis, not just in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. What happens with tithers? Tithers have peace. Somebody say peace. peace. Tithers have protection. Somebody say protection. Yeah. But another thing about the tithe, and you can see this, is promotion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the scriptures. Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> is my microphone on? I don't know if anybody can hear me right now. Peace, protection. And promotion are your portion if you are a tither. When tithing becomes your habit, blessing and miracles become your lifestyle. I'm telling you. Tithing. Number two would be this. Eliminating. 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 You need to be aggressive about eliminating and reducing debt. Come on. Debt is not the will of God for your life. If somebody, I've heard stories of people in our church, they're $120,000 in debt because of student loans, because of foolish credit card transactions. If people can get rid of that kind of debt in two years' time, you can get rid of your debt. 
but you need to be locked in and all in. Here would be the third thing is, I'll write this down, is tithing, it is eliminating, it's also the B word, budgeting. Oh, I can't believe you just talked about this in the sermon today. No, no, you need to give careful consideration to your ways. My dad said this, it changed my life. I was talking to Pops, I'm like, Pops, I've been working on staff here in the ministry for about 10 years now. I've been in ministry full-time for 10 years. I told Dad, I said, Pops, I think I need a second job because I don't know how Nat and I are going to make it in a certain season. Praise God that season is over. But the first thing I said was, Dad, I need a second job. Uh, Can you help me with that? He goes, no, no, no. You don't need a second job. The first thing you need to do is your side hustle is going to be budgeting and stewarding your money better. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you guys think you need to make more income. No, you need to take care of the income God already gave you. This is a side hustle. That's the side hustle. Your first side hustle, young people, your first side hustle, everybody is to budget your, your, your stewardship and your resources better. And so you need to put a name to every dollar, a name to every single dollar. Here be the fourth is this simplifying. I'm going to step on some toes because I've already done it today. I might as well just keep going. Some people care far more about their social status than their financial status. And you care more about having designer clothes and looking good than actually being good. And some of us just need to start selling some stuff. I know it's a cute Gucci bag, but you don't need that Gucci bag. You can find one on Amazon for $5, and it does the same exact function. Selah. Common sense. Simplifying. I know, I know, I know. It's a social status, but how many... How many of us, we want other people to like us and we don't even like them and we just want them to be impressed with what we have? Do you want to be good <laughs> or do you want to look good? We need to simplify our life. I felt the spirit of God on that point right there. I'll tell you that. And the fifth would be this. I was going to write investing because investment is so important. It can multiply your efforts and multiply your money. But before you get investment, you need to get coaching. And so coaching can direct you in the right investments. And some people, let me speak to the older generation for a second. You are never too old to get coaching. You are never too old to get mentorship. Is I think all of us need to have the, uh, we are the CLO of our life, the chief learning officer of our lives. And so all of us need to have a humble spirit and say, I might need some financial advising. And if I want to get out of debt or I want to live a life that Pastor Devin talked about today, where I'm able to not just have just enough but more than enough, We need to get some coaching so that we can do some good investing. Amen, everybody? Was this a helpful message to anybody today? Let me me close. Let me close with a story and a prayer I want to make today. Um, My wife and I, I was sharing the story with CY a few weeks ago. Uh, My wife and I were uh, playfully wrestling in the kitchen this one day. And, you know, my wife sucker punches me right in the stomach. She has an incredible just upper. It's it's insane. Um, Still emotionally damaged from it. Anyways. Uh. And so what husbands will do oftentimes, babe, come here, come here, give me a big hug. And I give her a big hug, and I just start to squeeze her. And I just go, anaconda squeeze. Anybody remember Nacho Libre? Anaconda squeeze. And she's like, babe, babe, get off me. And she pushes me away. And all of a sudden, she does this, she does this little number. And she has these, uh, what are they called, avianas? Is it you? Yeah, I said that right, right? Or junklitas or junklas. I don't care what they are, whatever they are. And so Natalia just, and what she does is she fake kicks me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, she's not going to actually do it. The shoe goes flying. <laughs> right in my eye socket. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't see for a couple days. Babe, you remember this? <laughs> yes, you do. Stop it. You know you did this. 
<laughs> you know you did this. I honored you earlier, but uh, you need to be exposed for the uh, pain you caused me. <laughs> she kicks her sandal and nails me right in the eye. <laughs> I say this story because of this. What started as playful turned painful. And so what happened with so many people with their finances is just a small little transaction. I'm just playing right here, and I'm just swiping the card right here. What, what started as playful turned painful. And you can't live your life accidentally. You must live your life intentionally. God loves you, but can he trust you? God does not bless poor stewards. God is the owner, and money is a resource, but God is your source. But let me just tell you, God wants to bless you and bless you abundantly. For you are the lender and not the borrower. You are the head and not the tail. Does anybody believe that God wants to bless them today? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? <clears throat> Father, like I said, wait till I get my money right, because then I'm going to bless the world. I pray, Lord, that that would be my brothers and sisters today, is that we learn how to steward properly. We learn how to manage God's money well. So a steward is somebody that grows and fiercely protects that which belongs to another. And so we understand today, Father, and I pray that this would be received in their spirit, not just in their mind. That first of all, there is a transfer of ownership taking place right now. That God, I realize that this is actually not my money. This is yours. And so may you give wisdom and bestow wisdom to my brothers and sisters right now, God. That we learn how to manage God's money properly and better. I thank you, Lord, that what happened for my grandfather is not something that just be, will be a rare occurrence. I believe that that will be our normal. That divine discounts be spread be given, be thrown to my brothers and sisters because we realize that, first of all, God, you have given us resources, finances. You've given it to us so that we can give and be generous and go through us, Lord. So help us today to be people that open our eyes to see the needs of humanity. You would change our minds about money and that you would move our hearts to be moved and led with compassion, Lord. I pray that through the, the message today that you would, produ it would produce good fruit in Jesus' name. And like it was said in the Genesis account of Isaac, Isaac sowed into the land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. So I speak that over my brothers and sisters today, that they would sow in their land, they would steward their resources properly, and they would reap 30, 60, 100-fold in Jesus' name. And the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Lord, I declare prosperous lifestyles, prosperous uh, habits, Lord, over my family in Jesus' name. We will be blessed and highly favored in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed still, I want to I introduce you to, first of all, not wealth, but the one who provides wealth. Is you need to understand that Jesus was God's tithe to humanity. It was his firstborn son, but it was his best. God gave you his best. And so he's asking for your decision to say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, and on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, I need to say yes to Jesus. And not just make him the savior of my life, but actually the leader of my life. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up boldly. One, Jesus loves you. Today is your day for salvation. Two, don't wait another minute. If that's you right now, I want you to shoot your hand up and say three, that's me. I want to say yes to Jesus. I see hands all over the place. I thank you so much. I thank you so much. Come on, leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can put your hands down. 
Would everybody repeat this prayer? And why don't you stand to your feet? And we're going to worship God together. Quickly stay in this atmosphere. I believe the Lord wants to bless you today. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, today I change my position. I'm not the owner anymore. I'm the steward. I trust you. I love you. I want you to trust me. See me as a worthy vessel, as a good steward, and a trustworthy candidate. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said.